Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast, your weekly slice of food, drink and travel chat brought to you by the Olive Magazine team. My name is Laura Rowe, the editor of Olive Magazine and for this week, your host. This is episode 171 and a special that I recorded back in the summer with American food writer and viral recipe queen, Alison Roman. Her new book, Nothing Fancy, is out this month, the 31st of October, to be precise. And for those that can't wait, we have a sneak peek in our November issue, which is out on the 18th of October. So do make sure you buy a copy of that. In this episode, we talk about the food Alison grew up with, how she became an internationally acclaimed recipe writer and cookbook author, how to achieve her lo-fi cooking style, and lots, lots more. Hello and welcome to the UK and the Olive Magazine podcast. Alison, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Yeah, really, really good, thank you. And we're so pleased to have you on board. So to introduce Alison, for anyone that isn't a massive fangirl like me, LA born, Brooklyn based Alison is probably one of the most talked about modern food writers in America right now. She's addictive to watch on Instagram, particularly when she's traveling and exploring new cuisines. She has a column in the New York Times that is definitely worth subscribing for. She's gone viral in the social sense of the word twice. And after the success of her first cookery book, Dining In, her second, Nothing Fancy, is out in October. So, yeah, Alison, you're kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when I should carry you around with me and just <laughs> say that to everyone I need. I can toot your trumpet whenever you on. Great, thank um, you. So I'm really intrigued about how your food story started. Like what was food like at home in LA? Like what did your family cook? What did you cook? Yeah, it was very much what you think of when you think of California. Yeah. I grew up on a lot of vegetables, a lot of fish, a lot of like steamed artichokes and rice and salmon. And th- yeah, <laughs> it was pretty healthy. I mean, we definitely ordered pizza and takeout and did that too. But yeah. You know, for the most part, my parents did a great job. Yeah, um, so you had a really balanced. Yeah, upbringing. yeah, yeah. Cool. Exactly. Um, and did you cook at home, or was that kind of mum and dad? Or um, I started to when I started getting into high school and got more homework, and I started <laughs> cooking for myself as a way to procrastinate. I became really into um, just making things, yeah. and I was like painting a lot, and I realized that. I was getting the same fulfillment out of doing something like cooking as I was painting, except then I got to eat it. And also it was hard for my parents to get upset with me if they showed up at the end of the day and there was something to eat, even if I hadn't done my homework. But it was definitely a tool of procrastination. Nice, nice. Um, and you started out in professional kitchens quite young, right? You, you quit college? To, I did, yeah. yeah. I So I left college after I realized I was spending all of my time reading cookbooks and trying to teach myself how to cook at home and thought that my time would be better spent going to culinary school um, to learn how to cook, really. And so what I ended up doing is I, I left college and I went to go speak to a chef at a restaurant to just see if I could start working there while I um, was going to culinary school. And I met him and I said, I'm going to go to culinary school. Can I work for you while I'm doing that? And he said, yeah, but don't go to culinary school. <laughs> he was like, don't waste your money. And which at the time was this was, you know, 15 years ago or so. And it was probably about, gosh, $50,000 for a year and a half of school. Really an imbalanced uh, way of spending sure. your time and money, especially when you consider you leave 
and you're making $7 an hour basically as a cook yeah. and you might not even like it. So he, he was very honest with me and he told me all that. And so I started working for him and that was my first restaurant job and that was forever ago and I really fell in love with it. It was hard, but I, I loved it. Yeah, that must have been, I mean, you've worked in some great restaurants, haven't you? So uh, Sona in LA, Quince in San Fran and then Momofoku in New York. Mm -hmm. like, how did you find cooking professionally? Because that's very different to cooking at home, right? Right. So I kind of, a lot of people in their careers, I think, start the other way around. They're mm. at their avid home cooks and yeah. then decide to go professional. I went professional and then decided to be a home cook because I realized I loved cooking and I loved eating and I loved feeding people, but I didn't want to do it in this anonymous way anymore. Yeah. Um, the job is really hard. The hours are long. Mm. The pay is not very good. Um, it's very physically demanding and can be emotionally demanding at times as well. Yeah. But it's also really rewarding and high energy and intense and fun and crazy. And the energy is wild. And, you know, it's like any job I imagine has pros and cons. But after a while, and as I got older, the cons kind of outweighed the pros. And I realized I needed to find a new way to continue to cook and keep loving food in the way that I did without doing it in a restaurant. Yeah. So the next step from there was you landed this amazing, another dream job because all of those restaurants are amazing, but you landed up being a, so I think you were baking cookies on the side, right? And then mm -hmm. doing recipe testing for Bon Appetit, which yes. is kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I was at Bon Appetit as a freelancer. So I was yeah. there for four days a week. And then the other two days a week I was working at a friend's restaurant making biscuits. Okay, cool. And so eventually they hired me full time um, and I quit making biscuits professionally, <laughs> but and worked my way up from being just a recipe tester to then a food editor and started writing more and developing my own recipes and things like that. Yeah. And what did you get out of that? Did, was that what you were seeking when you were looking to leave the sort of professional kitchen world? Yeah. You know, I knew that I wanted to work in food and I just didn't know that that job existed. This mm -hmm. was before the internet really was like the main focal point of our lives. Um, it was before iPhones. It was definitely before Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know that you could be a food editor. I didn't know what a recipe writer was. I didn't know what a food stylist was. I didn't, I knew none of that. So it was hard to seek out a job that I didn't know existed. So I just started telling people I wanted to work in food. I worked in food. Um, but I didn't want to work in a restaurant and I did a lot of weird odds and end job type things in that time because I just kind of was exploring and yeah. saying yes to everything. Yeah. And what do you think? So you then from there took this massive leap of going, yeah, I've got the dream job of food writing for Bon Appetit and being a food editor. Now I'm like ready to take the next step and do it myself. Like all of that is shaping to be you, Alison, and what you're cooking and what you want to present for yourself. Like what do you think shaped you the most to get there? Like, or what has influenced you the most or? Or is it just a combination of everything? Um, you know, I think it was a desire to figure out how I could be my own boss mm -hmm. and work for myself and also just figure out like what my vision was creatively. I think when you work for someone else, even when it's the best in the world, you know, like it's challenging to have your own identity. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll always be Allison from Bon Appetit if I don't leave one day. And yeah. that was really challenging and really bittersweet. And I was really sad, but yeah. I think ultimately the best choice for me and the kind of things that I wanted to do, I realized that there was, there were certain things that I wanted to do that I knew I couldn't do if I stayed. Yeah. And how would you describe your style now? Like if you could sum it up in one word, I think you call it lo-fi in the book, which I love. Yeah, I would say lo-fi and unfussy is yeah. a word I use a lot. Highly cookable. Yeah. Um, I'm a 
not a very relaxed person like in my day to day, but I'm a very relaxed cook and I want you to be also, I basically, I try to be as flexible as possible. And really the idea is not to always produce a perfect plate of food or do the most cutting edge technique or find the fanciest and most expensive ingredients. It's, I want you to be in the kitchen cooking. I want you to be spending time making something and eating it and sharing it and enjoying it. And you're not bound by like a certain cuisine or a certain country or certain ingredients. You're like, Definitely not. I find influence literally everywhere I go. Every time I travel, there's something new I learn or feel inspired by. I, you know, love cooking with dried chilies and also fish sauce and also, you know, fresh herbs and citrus and from and, you know, and any of those ingredients can be found around the world in lots of different countries. So I feel like it's kind of my palate tends to skew, you know, spicy and acidic and salty and I love really bold flavors but that doesn't always mean it has to belong to a specific place yeah I kind of when I was reading your first book and like following you on Instagram I always think you're like your style is at once very chill and like relaxed and like a bit give a fuck but yeah also you're like, <laughs> and because you break rules right Even I try like, yeah but not in a like try hard way so right 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 yeah relaxed. I guess that's true I don't actually try but I end up breaking a lot of rules yes but then at the same time you can tell you're really driven you're really ambitious and you're really really good at your job so thank like you. wow thank you <laughs> but that must have been quite scary to kind of get that right or you know to find that blend you have like a strategy of of, of how you approach creating Hmm. your books and your recipes and or is it just kind of yeah it's honestly very instinctual I feel like I listen to myself and I trust myself Mm. and sometimes I don't sometimes I question myself and I lose sleep over whether or not you know I should put a chicken on the cover of a book or something and I really have moments of self-doubt but I think that you know there's only one of all of us right and I realize in a world where everybody is trying to do what not trying to do what I do but I feel like a lot of people now do what I do and so it's really hard increasingly hard to stand out same way if you own a restaurant there's a million restaurants how is yours different Mm -hmm. you're a writer there's a million writers how are you different and I think the only thing that separates us in our line of work is like listening to ourselves and being ourselves because there's only one of you and trying to get that across has been a challenge but I think like the only way anyone ever will succeed yeah well it's definitely working let's talk about some of your most famous recipes for those that do do know them and the ones that have gone viral so you've got your salted butter and chocolate chunk shortbread cookies which even just sound amazing and then <laughs> aka oh my god have you cookies. not have them no I'm, oh my god embarrassingly we gotta not. get you I some cookies I was thinking you were gonna have some here I know but, that would have been nice <laughs> and, uh, and also your spice chickpea stew which I have made with coconut and turmeric aka the stew so yeah talk to me about these did you think they'd ever blow up the way the way they did or you know like um honestly I had no idea it seemed highly improbable that anything like that would would explode in the way that it did but you know it's interesting that it happened once it's even crazier that it happened twice and so I just assumed that it'll never happen again and I would be so happy if it didn't and it would be great if it did but I don't expect it to and I don't necessarily even want it to well I was going to ask about that because it yeah, for it to happen once is kind of incredible. Twice is amazing. Yeah. Is that a lot of pressure for you? To, yeah, which is and, why and I... do other people, like the New York Times say, look, Alison, we're, we're a bit struggling this month. We need you to... No, <laughs> no, no. They recipe. are just happy that people read it and cook the recipes. Yeah. There's definitely no pressure like that um, from them, which is great, or my publisher or anyone. So Good. I think the pressure comes yourself. from myself. Yeah. And But the thing is, is I didn't try to do it either time so if it happens again it'll be natural and organic but I 
can't try to do it again because right. then it definitely won't happen. It's like yeah. a watch pot never boils. Yeah. Same thing. A, a intended viral <laughs> recipe never goes viral, I think is the saying. Yeah, um, I get that. And yeah. Can we talk about pressure generally? Because um, especially of your kind of generation, mm-hmm. um, I hate the word millennial, but yeah, yes, we are. We're millennials. <laughs> um, I'm an old millennial. This time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're at the age of Instagram where we kind of live our lives out on that and the kind of professional and personal lines blur. And like your personal aesthetic is often talked about and you're not shy about it. You know, you've got pictures of you on your Instagram mm-hmm. and in your book. Um and I read somewhere that um, Samin Nosrat of Salt, uh, Fat, Acid, Heat, she called your nails subversive, which I thought was really cool. Um, does that add another layer of pressure for you or do you just like go with the flow and you don't mind or do you enjoy it? Do you like that part of it? Um, I think being like a woman yeah. in the world is hard yeah. and there's a lot of pressure for anyone of any age, yeah. but like being a woman is, you know, I was having this discussion with some friends the other day about a friend of ours who is a, a man turned 35 and he said I think that I'm getting old and people notice that I'm older and they're judging me that I'm looking a certain way and all my girlfriends and I were saying well welcome to what we deal with literally every day we are constantly being judged by what way we look and how we appear but I think that I'm probably no more conscious as you know of it than anyone else than any other woman and I try not to um, think about it too much and I think at first it was hard for me and I would get really annoyed if there was a bad picture of me on the internet or if I looked a certain way but now I realize it doesn't actually matter and I look how I look and I I can only control the narrative so much and I really do try to only present what is real and I do that with both the food and myself and without trying to pretend to look or feel or be different cool and yeah let's talk about your books some more as well because the styling of those is 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 kind of unique which is again so odd in this industry where everyone's kind of doing the same thing or like a better version of the same thing but you kind of have set your own agenda with the book and the way it's laid out the way it's organized um kind of to have a a chapter on uh knife and fork salads for Mm -hmm. example in the first book um and vegetables and um grainy things and then you meet and fish at the back that's quite unusual and the styling's really stripped back um and you do it all yourself right Mm -hmm. so talk to me about that as well and and talk to me about the new book i'm excited about the new book too yeah well they're both i mean very similar aesthetically in terms of the food because it's still my food and Mm -hmm. i'm still cooking everything and um you know it's really important to me that if you make a recipe from one of any of my books or any of my recipes that the food looks how it does in the picture for you. And so same thing with the New York times. I style everything. Um, I use ingredients found at the grocery store and, you know, I shop where you shop and I cook the recipe like you cook the recipe. And I hope that that shows. And I want you to, you know, look at your result and look at the picture and be like, Oh wow, it looks the same. And I think that's one of the best compliments that I receive is when people say like expectation is reality (laughs) and that's cool. And that's why you have so many people doing it and you just follow your Instagram stories and it's like the chicken, uh, Mm -hmm. the comfy ish chicken. Yeah. There's so many people making it. Yeah. It's crazy. great yeah and every everyone's looks great yeah you know and that's so important to me that I yeah. that I make recipes that you feel really good about there's nothing worse than trying to do something and being yeah. like well this doesn't look anything like that yeah totally um and yeah the new book talk to me about this one too so the last one was called dining in which is all about recipes to cook at home mm-hmm. and so your next book is what's that about it's called nothing fancy, nothing fancy. um unfussy food for having people over okay. and if dining in is about 
you know, kind of like the introduction to me and cooking for yourself and just kind of like one off. Here's how I cook at home for myself. Nothing fancy is also very highly cookable. I would say, I think all my food is, but it's definitely about cooking for others. Um, it's not a menu book and it's not an entertaining book, but there are ideas for if you're making this pork, you should make it with the salad or, you know, kind of the idea of you're going to invite people into your home. It could be one person or five people or 10 people. Here are recipes that will make that a lot easier for you to do without stressing out. Yeah. Fab. Um, do you have a, a recipe in that book that you think, I, I hate to say it, the one that you think will go viral from that book no. or that you're most proud of perhaps? Or... No, I love all my children. Okay, I love all my recipe babies. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, you kind of touched on it about cooking for yourself at home and you've used this term recently and I absolutely love it. It's about personal cooking. Mm. Uh, it's just, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yes. What you cook for yourself can, even if you have like a flatmate or a partner or whatever, mm-hmm. is so different. Like if my boyfriend's ever out of town, like I cook him vegetables and like a balanced meal and I enjoy it as well. Right. But if he's not there, I'm talking carbs, I'm talking cheese, oh, yeah. I'm talking breadcrumbs. On it's, top brown. Of that. Yeah. it's brown. It's um, brown. And I just love that idea of a personal dinner. So like what's your ultimate personal dinner? My ultimate personal dinner is probably the one that I wrote about for yeah. the New York Times, which is a creamy cauliflower pasta. Yeah. And basically it's a ton of cauliflower, like yeah. a whole head of it basically cooked down with some shallots and maybe some garlic and then heavy cream. Nice. Like heavy, heavy, heavy cream. Yeah. We our cream in the United States is absolute garbage compared to what you get here. Really, okay. the, the dairy products over here are amazing. They blow my mind. I have to make that cauliflower pasta with your dairy, <laughs> um, and then it gets topped with some cheesy pecorino breadcrumbs and maybe some chili flake and chives if I have them. And but yeah. basically, it's macaroni and cheese for an adult person. It sounds ace. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, personal food, that's the way to go forward. Um, and talk to me as well about, I've listened to you in interviews before and you say that you work to travel, which I'm all on board with. Where is the best place that you've been to and like, where are you looking forward to going to next? Um, you know, I could never pick a favorite place because each place that I've been to has enriched my life and influenced me and inspired me and like been amazing even at a low point in a trip I still come home having found value in a place um I recently went to Tokyo for the first time this spring and that's like a pretty uh probably obvious answer but it's obvious for a reason because it's truly so incredible everything that you eat there is the best version of something you've ever had and they take food so seriously and really dedicate their lives to it and it shows it's amazing but in terms of like spiritually how I connect to food, I would say definitely Mexico or Italy. Okay, cool. And you've got anywhere planned for the rest of the year that you're looking forward to going to? No, I don't. This was sort London. of my, I know London, London was it baby. Yeah. Well, cause I, so the book will come out in October and then I'll do a tour, um, United States and then I'll come back over here in probably late winter, early spring. Okay. And I'll be doing Australia as well. And potentially New Zealand, since I'll already be over there. Yeah, and so that cool. I'm really excited about. But I'll probably have to wait till next year to take a proper vacation. Yeah. yeah. And so how long are you here for? Have you been to anywhere exciting in London? Um, I've been here for 24 hours. Okay. <laughs> and I'm here until Monday, so a full week, which is great. And there are some restaurants on my list that I'm excited to go to and some wine bars. You guys have really amazing natural wine bars yeah, here. Yeah, really is... You can drink well at Bristol. You really can, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I'm going to talk a bit about something here that I saw on one of your trips on Instagram. Not that I'm a stalker or no. anything. <laughs> but, like, I saw, is it the ballot? Is that how you pronounce it? Or balut? You know, the Oh, yes, the yes, balut, yeah. Is there anything, like, you wouldn't eat? Cause, like, that, like... Honestly, that used to be on my list, and then I ate it. Yeah. So, 
Not great. I mean, I I chased it with so much beer and (laughs) I put so much like hot. Yeah, Yeah. I I doctored up in a way that I I just wanted to say that I could do it. And I did. I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I would do it again. Yeah. Is is there anything you wouldn't eat or don't eat? I I get a little weirded out with certain organ meats. Um, Blood. I don't love. I I just it's just not for me, you know, and I think that's okay. I think there's a lot of people, especially in food, that love to say, like, I'll eat anything. And there's a reason all those shows exist where people just eat anything for shock value. And I think it's okay to stand in your truth and say, you know what? Not for me. Yeah. So that's not for me. And where's been the most interesting meal you've ever had in your life? I'm not talking about the best. I'm just talking about like the most interesting. If you can narrow it down to one mm. meal. Interesting. No pressure. Yeah, I don't know. I would. I once did a tasting menu at this restaurant called Mimo um, in Oslo. Okay. And I was alone in a room that was like encased in glass, and I was just there by myself because I was in Norway for a work, and then had two days by myself and I ended up becoming friends with the chef and he's like, Oh, you should come in and have dinner. I didn't know he was going to set me up in a glass <laughs> cage essentially and feed me. And the meal lasted for maybe three hours and I was just in there alone and it was wild. It was so delicious, but also extremely interesting. Yeah. What did you, what was on the menu? What kind of things that like, like a langoustine that was like smoked with Douglas fir mm. and like, a bunch of other crazy stuff. Sounds this was, ma- yeah, it was extremely <laughs> scandy, very delicious, but okay. yeah, very interesting. Cool. Um, and you've also been quoted saying that you love the likes, and, and we spoke briefly before we started this interview about like British food magazines and mm-hmm. British books and things. And you spoke about your love of like Diana Henry and the River Cafe books. Um, what is it about British food writing that you like so much that resonates with you? And how does it differ from the American scene? Um, I feel like, interestingly enough, I feel like people in the UK are not afraid to not take themselves so seriously or there's a there's an element of humor and cheekiness and sort of campiness that I really (laughs) love and can totally identify with and relate to and people in the states tend to be a little bit more self-serious and puritanical about things and I like I don't know things in the UK tend to be a little racier I don't know (laughs) all my favorite shows are from here all my favorite cookbooks yeah I don't know there's something about it that the culture here, I, I absolutely resonate with. Awesome. So you're going to have to binge on our, net, our version of Netflix and, and things while you're here. Yes. Um, okay. So um, this might be a lot of pressure too, but what would your <laughs> dream day of eating and drinking involve? And would that be in Brooklyn or, you know, what what, what would that involve? Um, it would be involve a day where I never got full because that's the worst is yeah. when you are traveling, especially I travel alone a lot and there's only so much food you can eat by yourself. Like that is the m- most heartbreaking thing when you're like, I, I want to eat it, but I simply cannot, I yeah. simply can't. Yeah. So that is the opposite of my dream day. So my dream day would be a day where I never got full. Um, and I don't know where I'd be. I honestly, <sighs> Japan was really incredible place to do that. But, yeah. um, also Mexico, I feel like going to markets in Mexico where, you know, you're just taking little snacks here and there and like, you know, shopping and looking. And my dream day would be equal parts eating food someone else has prepared for me and equal parts cooking. Nice. And do you like having, do people cook for you ever? Or is that like just not um, a thing? They have. Yeah. <laughs> they have. Yeah. I, I enjoy cooking for others more than I enjoy being cooked for. Interesting. For Why sure. 
Um, I think I'm a control freak. I don't know. But I also love cooking. It's it's fun for me. And I think that sometimes people view it as a chore. And sometimes I do, too. And I just have had it. Like, if you ask me to cook at the end of this day, I would say absolutely not. But there is something that is restorative and relaxing to me, even after a long day. Even after a long day of cooking or shooting, I am excited to cook something that... It's for a different purpose. That's just for me or the people that I'm with. I love the silence of cooking where all you can hear is like the chopping on the board, mm-hmm. or the sizzling in the pan, and you don't have to listen to anyone else. You don't have to answer any emails. Yeah. You don't have to talk to anyone. You it's very restorative. Cook. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't read recipes anymore. Like I, yeah. I just haven't followed a recipe or read one yeah. in years that wasn't my own. Um, other than, you know, like reading cookbooks casually, but I mean, yeah. as I'm cooking. And yeah. so I always wonder what that experience is like when you're listening to somebody tell you what to do as you're cooking, yeah. but it's just you two. And so I find that I take the responsibility very seriously of, of being that person for you. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting relationship. Yeah. So cool. Okay. So what's next for you? Do you see like another big shift happening in your career or like, are you kind of happy with your gig right now or what's yeah. going to be the next thing for you? I think my personality type is that such that I will always want more. I'm so happy with what I have right now. I still probably want more or I'll try to get more or I'll try to do something different or, you know, I'm thinking about my next books and how I want them to be different than the first two. And because the first two cookbooks I see as sister books, I see them as not companions, but they relate to each other. They are of a time. They are, they have a vibe. They have a look and feel that is different, but same. And that was the intention. I want them to be sort of part of a little collection. And from then, I kind of feel like now I want to do something really different. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm muddling over what that is, but um, I don't know yet. Would you ever go into TV? Or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. It's on the to-do list. Yeah. there's That kind of thing takes an eternity. So I've, yeah. I've it's in the works, but that could be in the works for another 12 years. Who knows? Okay. Fingers crossed not that long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and where's for dinner tonight? Um, I'm going to Jolene. Jolene. You mean literally? Yeah. Yeah, I'm literally, yeah, that's where I'm going. That's really good. They do grains really well there. I'm very (laughs) excited. Yeah, I'm going to dinner with some other women in food that I'm meeting for the first time. So it feels like a bit of first day of school, but in a good way. It's a good place for that, I think. And you went to Brat last night, did you? I just went for lunch. Yeah, I I love a solo dinner. Like I said, I love a solo lunch. And I was in between meetings, and so I just happened to walk by, and it was on my list. So I popped up for a glass of champagne and some salad and like langoustines. It was delicious. Good. Okay. Well, I hope the dinner goes well tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak. Thank you for having me. And we're really excited for the book to come out. Me too. Cool. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please do us the massive favor of popping a quick review on iTunes. It means that more people get to find us and listen to us, and we always love to hear from you. Remember, you can have four recipes from Alison's new book, Nothing Fancy, in the November issue of Olive Magazine, which is out on the 18th of October. But bye for now, and tune in next week for more great food, drink, and travel chat from Janine and the gang. Thanks. Bye.